from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. Are you an influencer? In our new teaching series, we've been uh, deciding to not make New Year's resolutions based on changes I want to make to my behavior, but instead to make New Year's revolutions based on changes I want to make to my identity. Because it's been found that trying to change behavior rarely, if ever, works. But when we change our identity, it works. Our behavior changes. When we know who we are, we know what to do. And what we're doing is we're not like trying to make up some new identity, but instead we're trying to understand and embrace our true identity. And so I will ask you again, are you an influencer? Uh, Sadie Robertson is. Millions of people watched her on Duck Dynasty and on Dancing with the Stars. She has nearly 5 million followers on Instagram and another almost 2 million on Twitter. In a convocation speech, Sadie asked a crowd of about twenty, about 12,000 college students, she said, how many of you would say you are an influencer? And only a few hands went up in the 12,000 people crowd. Uh, she explained that the definition of influencer is to have an effect on someone's behavior or character and then made the case. I think everyone's an influencer. Not everyone's famous. Everyone's an influencer. We have twisted the word influencer in our generation. She told the crowd that she wanted to use whatever influence God has given her to point people to Jesus. She said that is the most influential thing you can do in someone's life is point them to Jesus. And she says that you have more influence than you dare to imagine. Sadie said in the speech, uh, the word of God says you, you are called to be a light in the darkness. Not to be a little light that's hidden under a counter, covered by a blanket. No, don't hide your light. Let's go to the darkness and shine it so bright. And she's right. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, and, and not all of us are, I mean, you might be watching us just trying to explore faith. That's awesome. But if you are, this is who you are. You are a light. And that's what we do. We shine the light. Because those thoughts that Sadie shared she was actually just echoing the words of Jesus, who said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Who are you? Your salt. Your light. What does salt do? It flavors food. But what does light do? It dispels darkness. But take note, salt and light only work if they come in direct contact with food and darkness, right? That's why Jesus told us to go. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Yet research tells us that about 95% of Christians will never share their faith. They ignore the mission that Jesus gave us. 
In fact, many are apathetic or judge those who are far from God instead of loving them. Instead of going and making contact, they stay and keep their distance. But Jesus said, go into the world and shine, not go into your houses and hide. The reality is that it's easy to lose who we are and turn inward. But we are influencers. So we go to be salt and light, to influence and have an effect on people God loves and who need Jesus. And to help uh, you with this, I want you to think about three ways you can have influence, three pre-decisions you can make that will allow you to have influence. Uh, One, I will influence with my prayers. Two, I will influence with my example. And three, I will influence with my words. So first, I will influence with my prayers. If, if you're a person who prays or you're around people who pray, have you, have you ever noticed that we tend to pray benign, safe, small prayers? Like we pray for Grandma Ethel's arthritis. We pray that we would have a good day or a safe drive. Then there's that whole, um, that nourish your body prayer that some Christians like to pray. You know, Dear God, I pray you'll bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies, which is not, not a bad prayer. But when you're praying it over a greasy double bacon cheeseburger and chili fries, and you're praying, you're praying for that to nourish your body. There might, that might be a bigger miracle than God parting the Red Sea. Now, to be clear, I, I believe we can and should pray about everything, but maybe we should pray some bigger prayers. Now, I want to encourage you to make your prayers a strategic part of your influence. We want to help people who are far from Jesus come close to him. And we have no greater power available than God's power. And so, of course, we want to invite God to empower us to influence others. And so we need to pray for our friends who are far from Jesus. And we need to pray for ourselves that we'll be ready to make the most of every opportunity with those friends, right? Uh, That's what actually the the Apostle Paul prayed in um, the book of Colossians chapter 4. He said, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That prayer is powerful, certainly more powerful than our prayers for God to nourish our bodies with a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos and a Mountain Dew Code Red, right? And notice uh, Paul says that we should devote ourselves to prayer. If you remember, one of our New Year's revolutions is that we're going to live devoted lives. We're going to be devoted. He doesn't say, hey, hey, you might want to maybe remember to pray about this if it comes to mind. No, he wants us to pre-decide, to commit, to pray for this consistently. Pray for what? He says, pray that you will be watchful for open doors to share Jesus. To to be wise in the way you act towards those who are outside the faith. To, To make the most of every single opportunity to share Jesus. Always ready to give graceful answers to everyone. Paul is urging us to talk to God about people who are far from him and talk about God with people who are far from him. 
talk to God about people who are far from him. Um, at, at Verve, we, we encourage you to have three people who matter to you and, and who, as far as you know, don't have an active relationship with Jesus, don't go to church, and, and to pray for those three people every day. And at the same time, you're, you're growing your relationship with those people. You're, you're listening to them. You're eating with them. You're serving them. You're, you're looking for opportunities to share Jesus with them, to, to, to share uh, your personal Jesus story with them. You, you talk to God about those people, and you talk about God with those people. And praying for people as part of your influence in their lives is so powerful. So powerful. You have no idea. So the, the, the pastor of the biggest church in the history of America, this guy named Craig Groeschel. I became good friends with Craig like 25 years ago before he was famous. And um, in fact, we, we sometimes will work on sermon series and books together and stuff. Well, uh, before all that, Craig was not a Christian, not at all. He went to college uh, the first weekend, went to this big party. And um, at that party, were three, well, nerds. Uh, back in the 1980s, there was a movie called Revenge of the Nerds. Craig says these three guys would have totally fit in. Uh, but Craig didn't meet them at the party. He, he didn't meet them until about three years later after he became a Christian. Uh, he became a Christian, and these three guys introduce themselves, and they, they tell Craig that three years earlier, they were at that party the first weekend of school, and that Craig was the drunkest, most obnoxious guy at the whole party. And that night, the three of them decided to pray that Craig would come to faith. And they prayed for Craig every day. And now that Craig had come to faith, they decided to come up and introduce themselves and say hi. Craig says, why did I come to faith? I think I should give credit to the Geek Squad. <laughs> I mean, Craig's church today has over 100,000 people. He's influenced millions of people in a positive way for Jesus. And that influence is because of the three nerds. <laughs> Their prayers changed Craig's life, and your prayers can change someone's life. I will influence with my prayers. Second, I will influence with my example. I said earlier that when you know who you are, you know what to do. And, and that's not my opinion. And, and it's even more than just in the Bible. It's been proven through all kinds of research that people make decisions based on their self-identity, who they think they are. You do what you do because of what you think of you. And when you know who you are, you'll know what to do, right? I mean, if, if, if you're Superman and Lois Lane is in danger, no one has to tell you, hey, hey, now is the time when you go in the phone booth and take off your suit and glasses and, and then you, you burst out in your spandex and, and you fly to her. You, you, you remember you can fly, right? And, and, then, and then you fly to her and you rescue her. No, Superman knows to do all that because... He's Superman, right? If a, if a plumber is at a party and someone comes screaming out of the bathroom, the toilet is overflowing, the toilet is overflowing, I bet that plumber just bursts into action. Why? Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. So who are you? You are an influencer. 
Remember, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And when he said those words, people considered salt the second most important commodity on earth. Maybe you didn't know that. Number one, the sun, because it was the source of light. Light was the most important thing. Salt was number two because of all the things it could do, especially in an age before refrigeration and uh, our modern conveniences. In fact, check this, in, in ancient Rome, people were often paid for their labor in salt. That's where we get our phrase, he's not worth his salt. Oh. Jesus says to you, he says, you are salt. What does salt do? Uh, well, salt actually does a lot of things. Salt preserves. It keeps meat from rotting. And as Christians, we should have a preserving influence in the world. We represent the kingdom of God and his holiness by our good, pure lives. Salt also heals. Maybe you've had a sore in your mouth and you gargled with what? Salt water. Why? So it would get better. Salt speeds up the healing process. And in the same way, God sends us to bring healing to people who have been wounded in life or hurt by religion. Salt also creates thirst. Uh, bars often serve, uh, they'll have like a uh, free peanuts, right? Or free pretzels. Why? Because there's salt on them. And that makes you thirsty. And the theory is you're going to order more to drink, which is going to drive your tab up. If you're a Seinfeld fan, uh, you might remember the episode, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Yeah, salt creates thirst. Now, as a Christian, when you are full of God's love, you create a, a spiritual thirst in other people. They, they, they'll ask you, what is it about you? Why are you so full of joy? I want what you have. Salt creates thirst, and you are salt. Jesus also said you are light, right? Remember, he said you are the light of the world. Jesus said those words at a time before the discovery of electricity. At night, it would be pitch dark, so they would light a candle. Without lighters or, or matches, it was not easy to light a candle. That was a, a chore, right? And, and so if the family went out, what they would do is they would take a bowl with a hole in the bottom, and they would turn it upside down and put it over the candle to protect the candle from blowing out while they were out of the house. And that little hole would allow the fire to breathe so it could keep burning. But you would never put the bowl on top of a candle when you are in the house because, yeah, you need the light. There wasn't electricity. There's no light bulbs, right? You need that light. And Jesus was telling his followers who would always live in a dark world to never cover their light. He was helping them understand that they could live a life that other people wanted. You are an influencer. And God wants to affect change in people as you point them to Jesus. Now, you might think, I don't feel like salt. I don't, I don't feel like light. I get that, but in a sense, it doesn't really matter. Because if you follow Jesus, you are salt and you are light. Some people say, well, they'll think, well, well okay, but, but, but I would need to learn the Bible better. Then maybe I could talk about Jesus and explain Jesus and answer people's questions. No, 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 no. Nope. Honestly, most people don't care how much you know. They just want to know how much 
you care. You are salt. You are light. And when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You'll love people. You'll show them Jesus through your example because that's who you are. Uh, Ryan lives in Buffalo, New York, but he's part of Verve. He attends our online campus. Hello, Ryan. Uh, Ryan has a friend named Steve. Steve is very smart. He is a lawyer. He is an author. And he is not a Christian. In fact, he's anti-Christian, anti-Christianity. He's actually written an anti-Christian book. Uh, Ryan and Steve have been friends for years. And Ryan has not tried to force his faith on Jesus. He, he uh, on Steve, his faith in Jesus on Steve. Um, Ryan's just loved him, prayed for him, done, done his best to live like Jesus around him. Well, recently, Steve has been going through a, a really difficult time, and he and Ryan were driving somewhere together, and Steve says, hey, Ryan, you're a Christian, right? And Ryan's like, yeah. And Ryan goes on to ask questions about his faith, and they end up having a, a really cool spiritual conversation. Why? Why did this guy who's anti-Christian want to talk about faith? Because of Ryan's example. That's what we do. We are salt and light. And when we live that out, people notice. They will notice. They'll ask questions. You'll have conversations. They'll be changed. Why do we do that? Because we're salt and light. And when you know who you are, you know what to do. You are an influencer. And so you decide. We're pre-deciding today, right? I will influence my prayers. I will influence with my example. Third, I will influence with my words. This one time, uh, Jesus was at a well, and a Samaritan woman came up to him. Actually, if you remember, um, we looked at this story very briefly back in November, if you were at that service. So, so the conversation uh, they were about to have should never have happened. Back then, Jews did not travel into Samaria. The, the Samaritans were half Jewish, half Gentile. The Jews hated them. Jews did not interact with Samaritans. Also, men did not interact with women. And this was not just a woman. Um, we could say that no one was impressed with her example. She, she had gone from man to man to man. In fact, um, she traveled to this well at noon when it was hottest because she knew no one would be there to avoid the stares of people who judged her for her lifestyle and her decisions um, because of all the men she had been with. Well, Jesus um, had said in uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he was about to shine his light into her darkness. He said that he came to proclaim the good news and he was about to share the, that good news with her. In fact, I want you to see how Jesus influenced her with his words because I think we can learn a lot from him. Uh, Jesus first asked her, will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? Notice he starts the conversation on a superficial level and based on their immediate circumstances, right? He didn't start by saying, I am the Messiah sent by God. Now repent of your sins. You know, so, sometimes some Christians who have 
uh, spiritual conversations, try to jump in faster and furiouser than a Vin Diesel street racing movie. It's like, yeah, you might want to slow down, Speedy Gonzalez. On the other hand, some Christians hesitate from having spiritual conversations because I, 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 I don't know what to say. I don't know how to initiate a spiritual conversation. Here's what you do. Follow Jesus' example. Start on a superficial level based on your immediate situation. So maybe uh, talk about your job with your coworker. Talk about your neighborhood with your neighbor. Talk about the game to your sports fan friend. Just get the conversation going with whatever feels natural. Uh, soon in this conversation Jesus has, he's telling her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Instead, the wa- indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus transitions from superficial to spiritual. And at some point, and I have to have them right away, we need to do the same in our conversations with people who are far from God. I, I, I love how Jesus used something from her everyday life that she considered important to reveal to her her need for God. We can do that too. I also noticed um, that Jesus gives her the opportunity to talk. If you read through this story, John chapter 4, you can read it today, um, you'll see that she gets lots of opportunities to share her opinions, to ask questions. In fact, when you read through the story, you'll see that she talks at least as much as Jesus does. Unfortunately, today, some Christians can have a reputation for talking and talking and talking, but never listening. And we need to follow Jesus' example and have gracious dialogues, not monologues, dialogues with people instead of giving them speeches. Well, this uh, woman, she notices something is different about this guy. And so she asks, uh, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And then Jesus responds, go and get your husband. Well, she tells him that she doesn't have a husband. And Jesus says to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And she just learned that the one who matters most knew everything about everything she had ever done, but was still dignifying her with his respect. He didn't treat her as an immoral woman, but as a miracle waiting to happen. And we can do the same with the people God puts in our path. We take the the conversation from from superficial to spiritual to personal. And when we talk about personal things, about um, this person's need for Jesus, we do it in the most respectful, gracious way possible. I love how Jesus used his words to influence her. And I love how then she, someone who very well might have been voted least likely to be an influencer in the entire New Testament, uses her words to influence others. It says, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, 
Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. She used her words to remind people of her story, a story she had been ashamed of only an hour or so earlier. And we get to share our stories and how we were changed when we met Jesus. She also used her words to invite people to come meet Jesus. And it is so powerful when we invite our, our coworkers, our neighbors, our friends to come to Verve. Man, check out Verve online. Come to Verve in person, whatever it is for you. Because at Verve, they have a chance to encounter Jesus. We learn from this woman that you don't need to have it all together to influence someone for Jesus. She, she, she had a, a salacious background and she did not know any Bible verses. She, she wasn't even totally convinced about Jesus yet. Did you notice she asked the townspeople, could this be the Messiah? But if you keep reading, you'll discover that a revival breaks out as many Samaritans come to faith in Jesus. Who did God use to influence a whole city? Not an Instagram star or a professional athlete or a celebrity or a content creator. God used a regular, ordinary, everyday, broken, sinful woman who had been transformed by Jesus. Listen, you are an influencer and God wants to use you. He can use your prayers, your example, and your words. If you let your light shine, people will be attracted to the light. They will want what you have and you'll get to share it with them because you are an influencer. Now, I, I wanna pray for you, but um, before I do, I, I just wanna tell you, if you go to Verve Online exclusively, like maybe you're not in Vegas or even maybe you are, but you don't come in person, I would love to like, meet you, maybe like a Zoom call or something. You know, people who attend Verve in person, um, I see them in the lobby, I'll get to meet them, but people who Verve online, I don't get to meet you, but I'm your pastor if you're a part of Verve. And, and so, um, man, if you would email me, vince at vivalaverve.org, vince at vivalaverve.org, and just say, hey, I go to Verve online, I, I'd be willing to meet you. I'd love to, you know, maybe a phone call, Zoom call, something like that. Um, I would love that um, because you are a part of our church and, uh, you are an influencer, and let's pray for that. God, thank you um, that we um, are loved by you and so valued by you that you want us to, to use our lives to influence others, just like the Samaritan woman who no one thought much of but caused a revolution uh, in her town. God, we are influencers. We are salt and light. Help us to live out who we are to influence people with our prayers, our example, and our words. God, we want the world to know Jesus. Jesus, you are the best. Everyone needs to know you. Help us. We pray in, in your name, Jesus. Amen.